0: Warning, the following contains spoilers pertaining to the show and subject matter discussed. Also, strong language and adult content may be included. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you. This is 57th Street, 7th Avenue. Transfer is available to the...
1: is a Brooklyn-bound N Express train. The next stop is 49th Street. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.
0: Are you all right over there? I'm so excited for tonight!
1: You look like you are about to bounce off the walls. I've been counting down the days until we got to see the show. It's one of, if not my favorite, shows.
0: It's a classic, that's for sure. I'm super excited to finally see a show at the palace.
1: It's a gorgeous theater and such a fitting place for this amazing show.
0: You're right there. And it's a good thing we're almost there. You're about to explode. Next
1: to the Tony Awards, this is basically Christmas for me. Yay, we're here! All right, let's do this. I can't wait for the overture. This is a Brooklyn-bound N Express train.
0: And welcome to Stage Whisper. I'm your host, Hope Bird, and with me is my co host, Andrew Cortez. Today we are going to be discussing the legendary show, West Side Story. So hurry and take your seats. It looks like the show is starting.
1: Hello, everyone. And welcome into today's performance of Stage Whisper. Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. And you don't even have to wait. Because today, we are going to be talking about the landmark musical, West Side Story. This show is, the, is a cornerstone of musical theater. And so with that, let us venture back to its humble beginnings.
0: Jerome Robbins approached Leonard Bernstein and Arthur Lorentz in 1947 about collaborating on a co- contemporary musical adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. The original story focused on a conflict from an Irish Catholic family and a Jewish family in the Lower East Side.
1: They called it East Side Story. After it was completed, the group realized that the themes discussed were similar to the play that already exists Abby's irish rose the group split and the project was left alone for
0: five years after a collaboration in 1955 the group got back together and decided to revisit east side story this is when a young stephen sondheim was brought on
1: they then thought to set their story in la but Lorenz felt he was more familiar with the Puerto Ricans living in Harlem than he was with the Mexican-Americans living in Olvera Street.
0: Bernstein and Lorenz liked the idea of a musical with a Latin beat. Bernstein and Lorenz changed the name to West Side Story to set the story in an area on the Upper West Side that has conflicts between Puerto Ricans and Caucasians.
1: The parents were deleted from the story in the early parts of the development. Curse words were uncommon in the theater at the time, and there was worry worry that slang expressions would be dated by the time the production opened.
0: Lorenz ultimately invented what sounded like real street language, but was not actually street language. Sondheim converted long passages of dialogue and turned them into simple phrases. The dark theme,
1: sophisticated music, extended dance scenes, and focus on social problems marked a turning point in musical theater.
0: Bernstein composed West Side Story and Candide at the same time, which led to some switches of material between the two works. The show was almost complete in the fall of 1956, but almost everyone on the creative team had other commitments they needed to fulfill first.
1: During rehearsal... producer producer Cheryl Crawford pulled out. In search for a new producer, Sondheim convinced friend Hal Prince to come hear the
0: show. Robbins did not want to choreograph the show at first, but when Prince agreed to an eight-week dance rehearsal instead of the customary four, he couldn't say no.
1: All of the revivals prior to 2009 used the same costumes, lights, and set pieces as the original production.
0: In 2007, Lorentz stated, I've come up with a way of doing West Side Story that will make it absolutely contemporary without changing a word or note. The new production wove Spanish lyrics and dialogue into the English libretto, which is why they needed new sets and costumes.
1: Lorentz is quoted in saying the musical theater and cultural conventions of 1957 made it next to impossible for the characters to have authenticity. Every member of both hands were always a potential killer even then. Now they actually will be. Only Tony and Maria live in a different world.
0: Now for this episode, we are mainly going to focus on the 2009 production. So with that in mind, let's lay out the design team.
1: The set was by James Yeomans. Costumes by David C. Woolard. The reproduction choreography was by Joey McNeely. Lights by Howell Binkley. Sound design by Dan Moses Schreier, hair by Mark Adam Rampmeyer, and makeup by Angelina Avalone.
0: Music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, book by Arthur Lawrence, translations by Lynn Manuel Miranda, original conceiver, director, and choreography by Jerome Robbins, directed by Arthur Lawrence.
1: The musical first opened on Broadway on September 26, 1957 at the Winter Garden Theater. It ran for 732 shows, closing on June 27, 1959.
0: The revival we are discussing opened on March 19, 2009 at the Palace Theater. It ran for 748 performances and closed on January 2, 2011.
1: The show was nominated for four Tony Awards and would mumbo away with one for Best Featured Actress in a Musical for Karen Olivo, who played Anita.
0: So that's a lot of information. But now, let's delve into our story.
1: rival teenage gangs, the Jets, white Americans, and the Sharks, Puerto Ricans, struggle for control of their neighborhood on the Upper West Side of New York City. They are warned by police officers Krupke and Lieutenant Shrink to stop fighting on their beat. The police chase the Sharks off, and then the Jets plan how they can assure their continued dominance of the street.
0: The Jets' leader, Riff, suggests setting up a rumble with the Sharks. He plans to make a challenge to Bernardo, the Sharks' leader, that night at the neighborhood dance.
1: Riff wants to convince his best friend and former member of the Jets, Tony, to meet the Jets at the dance. Some of the Jets are unsure of his loyalty, but Riff is affirmant that Tony is still one of them.
0: Riff meets Tony while he's working at Doc's drugstore to persuade him to come. Tony initially refuses, but Riff wins him over. Tony is convinced that something important is around the corner.
1: We then meet Maria, who works in a bridal shop with Anita, the girlfriend of her brother, Bernardo. Maria has just arrived from Puerto Rico for her arranged marriage to Chino, a friend of Bernardo's.
0: Maria confesses to Anita that she is not in love with Chino. Anita makes Maria a dress to wear to the neighborhood dance.
1: At the dance, after introductions, the teenagers begin to dance. Soon, a challenge dance is called, during which Tony and Maria, who aren't participating, see each other across the room and are drawn to each other.
0: They dance together, forgetting the tension in the room, and fall in love. Once Bernardo sees what is happening, he pulls his sister from Tony and sends her home.
1: Riff and Barnardo agree to meet for a war council at Dock's because the drugstore is considered to be neutral ground.
0: Meanwhile, an infatuated and happy Tony finds Maria's building and serenades her outside her bedroom. She appears on her fire escape and the two profess their love for one another.
1: And still at the very same time, Anita, Rosalia, and the other Shark Girls discuss the differences between the territory of Puerto Rico and the mainland United States with Anita defending America and Rosalina yearning for Puerto Rico.
0: The Jets get antsy while waiting for the Sharks inside docks. Riff helps them let out their aggression.
1: The Sharks arrive to discuss weapons to use in the Rumble. Tony, who arrives just before the Sharks, suggests a fair fight, fists only, which the leaders agree to, despite the other's member other members' protests.
0: Bernardo believes that he will fight Tony, but must settle for fighting Diesel, Riff's second-in-command instead.
1: This is followed by a monologue by the ineffective Lieutenant Shrank, trying to find out the location of the rumble.
0: Tony tells Doc about Maria, and Doc is worried for them, while Tony is convinced that nothing can go wrong because he is in love.
1: The next day, Maria is in a very happy mood at the bridal shop, as she anticipates seeing Tony again. But she is left dismayed when she learns about the upcoming rumble from Anita.
0: When Tony arrives, Maria insists that he must stop the fight altogether, which he agrees to do. But before he does, they dream of their wedding.
1: Tony, Maria, Anita, Bernardo, and the Sharks, and Riff and the Jets all anticipate the events to come that night.
0: The gangs meet under the highway, and as the fight between Bernardo and Diesel begins, Tony arrives and tries to stop it. Though Bernardo taunts and provokes Tony, ridiculing his attempt to make peace, Tony keeps his composure. When
1: Bernardo pushes Tony, Riff punches him in Tony's defense. The two draw switchblades and get in a fight, and an all-out rumble ensues.
0: Tony attempts to intervene, inadvertently leading to Riff being fatally stabbed by Bernardo. Tony then kills Bernardo in a fit of rage, which in turn provokes an all-out fight like the prologue.
1: The sound of approaching police sirens is heard and everyone scatters, except Tony, who stares in shock at what he has done. The tomboy anybodies, who stubbornly wishes that she could become a jet, tells Tony to flee from the scene at the last moment and flees with the knives.
0: Only the bodies of Riff and Bernardo remain.
1: End of Act 1. The top of Act 2 starts with Maria, who is blissfully unaware that the rumble has taken place with fatal consequences, giddily singing uh, to her friends Rosalia, Teresita, and Francisca that
0: she is in love. Chino brings the news that Tony has killed Bernardo, then leaves. Maria prays that what he has told her is a lie. Tony arrives to see Maria, and she initially pounds on his chest with rage, but still she loves him.
1: They plan to run away together. As the walls of Maria's bedroom disappear, they find themselves in a dreamlike world of peace.
0: Two of the Jets, Arab and Baby John, are set on by Officer Krupke, but they manage to escape him. They meet the rest of the gang. To cheer themselves up, they lampoon on Krupke and the other adults who don't understand them.
1: Anybody arrives and tells the Jets, that she has been spying on the Puerto Ricans. She has discovered that Chino has a gun and is looking for Tony. The gang separates to find Tony and protect him. Action has taken charge. He accepts anybody's into the jets and includes her in the search.
0: A grieving Anita arrives at Maria's apartment. As Tony leaves, he tells Maria to meet him at docks so they can run away to the country. In spite of her attempt to conceal it, Anita sees that Tony has been with Maria and launches an angry tirade against him.
1: Maria counters by telling Anita how powerful love is, and Anita realizes that Maria loves Tony as much as she had loved Bernardo. She admits that Chino has a gun and is looking for Tony.
0: Lieutenant Shrank arrives question Maria about her brother's death and Anita agrees to go to Doc's to tell Tony to wait. Unfortunately, the Jets, who have found Tony, have congregated at Doc's and they taunt Anita with racist slurs and eventually attempt rape.
1: Doc arrives and stops them. Anita is furious and in anger spitefully delivers the wrong message, telling the Jets that Chino has shot Maria dead.
0: Doc relays the news to Tony, who has been dreaming of heading to the countryside to have children with Maria. Feeling there is no longer anything to live for, Tony leaves to find Chino, begging for him to shoot him as well.
1: Just as Tony sees Maria alive, Chino arrives and shoots Tony. The jets, sharks, and adults flock around the lovers. Maria holds Tony in her arms and sings a quiet brief reprise Of the song somewhere as he dies
0: angry at the death of another friend the jets move towards the sharks but maria takes chino's gun and yells at everyone that all of them killed tony and the others because of their hate for each other and now she can kill too because she has hate
1: however she is unable to bring herself to fire the gun and drops it crying in grief Gradually, all the members of both gangs assemble on either side of Tony's body, showing that the feud is over.
0: The Jets and Sharks form a procession, and together carry Tony away with Maria, the last one in the procession. The The End uh
1: the things we like and the things, well, we like.
0: <laughs> There's like, no disagreeing that this show is a powerhouse.
1: This is in my top three shows, if not my number one show. Like, this is. Like, we're reading the story and I'm getting all teary-eyed just thinking about it. I mean, we're recording here right now. I'm looking at the poster from the revival. And it, oh, it's so amazing it's such a cliche i feel like a lot of people spoof it and they kind of make fun of it honestly anyone who's seen west side story and a good west side story not just like you know your middle school production or something like that a truly good west side story there are no words
0: i really i really hope by the end of this discussion you will tell us exactly why this is your favorite show
1: yes oh i will I can, I can, I, well, and actually when I was working today and I was driving around and I was thinking about, uh, as we were going to record today, I was like, okay, I got to figure out what it is about the show that I absolutely love. And I already know the answer to that. We'll get to it. But let's start checking the boxes. So first things first, let's talk about the plot.
0: I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet.
1: It's classic story. It's iconic. But more than that, I mean, it's, it is Romeo and Juliet, but it. It's got a slight twist, you know, um, because we have to see Romeo, who is Tony, essentially, um, persuaded to be involved. Where in Involved in what? In the show. Where in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, there was no, like, come on, Romeo, come do this, come do that, like, let's go do this, let's go to a party, like, no, like, he was already with the group of friends, he was already going with them, we had to see Riff really push Tony... To come to the dance and come do this and and the whole time Tony was like, No, I'm moving on, I've I've got it, I'm a soda jerk now, I'm doing this, I'm if Tony had rebuffed Riff's advances, if if Riff had not, you know, spermed a worm, womb to tomb him, um, that's how he convinced Tony, like, Come on, we're we're brothers. hmm None of none of this would have happened.
0: Right, so what you're saying is basically Tony was like basically forced to play the role of Romeo. Exactly.
1: This is this is the this is the story of Romeo and Juliet but again with a twist. You know, Romeo had to be pushed in. To me, West Side Story is a great balance of heavy drama and comedy and and when I say comedy I mean, you know, you got the wise crack and You know, the Jets, here, you know, and they make fun of Officer Krupke and everything. And then, of course, you've got the also equally wisecracking Puerto Ricans. Mm -hmm. You know, they, what I like is the Puerto Ricans were not cast in such a stereotype that's super offensive. It was how we as a general American population looked at Puerto Ricans. And if you left going, "Mm, I don't like the way that was depicted. It's like, well, yeah, that's how we looked at them hmm That's how they reacted. That was That is how society viewed them and how they kind of coped with it. But at the same time, we got a view into their culture um, and how they felt about things. Uh, one of my favorite songs, which is America, you know, things are bad here, but where we're coming from, it's even worse. You know? It's such an upbeat song, but it's also kind of like terrible mm-hmm. at the same time. So... I think that balance of drama and comedy make a good balanced show can't go wrong. You can't have it heavy on one side or the other. It can't be raucous and hilarious the whole two and a half hours, and it, can't be, and it can't be heavy and dramatic and you know for two and a half hours. Nobody wants to experience that. You need peaks and valleys, you know. And I think this does a really good job with that. And it's an iconic story. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Mm -hmm. And fun fact for all of you listening out there, the movie and the musical, there are differences in it. Yes. The storyline does go a little bit different. Yes. Um, Moving on to the lights. Again, we're dealing with the revival. I thought the lights really helped in enhancing the story
0: yes because it made really beautiful like highlights and shadows yes. it really gave you that underground experience when you needed it but and then it was you almost got- like
1: this comic book thing too or like a noir sense too yes it wasn't this like super everybody was lit so you could see them but it wasn't it was almost, i don't want to say grungy but it had like a film if that makes sense
0: Yes. Yeah. No, it was it was like almost like the lights were textured. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. And 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 it was it was perfect cuz it added that element to it. This is a dated show. Okay? I'm sorry. It this is this does not this show does not exist today. It 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 predates hair. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, I'm not saying the subject matter cannot exist today. I'm saying the show itself is placed in a different time. Mm-hmm. The lessons and everything can be transferred to a current date and time, but the actual story is of a different time, and that's fine. But with that, I love that the lighting designer didn't try to hide it. In fact, he they tried to enhance it, and it was brilliant. Also, the use of gobos was amazing. Um they didn't use fences or bars and whatnot a lot as like set pieces or props. They used lights to create that on stage
0: mm-hmm. to
1: especially for like the rumble in that, yes, you know we had this backdrop that we saw of like the highway, but then there were like fences,
0: well, and that's it. I'm thinking of the final scene where uh Tony is dead, and I'm trying to remember if there were actual set pieces that moved them into the basketball court, no type looking no, place no, no. or if it was just like there was a
1: basketball hoop in the back with the um, the, the one light like the street light
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you had um, that like just dark grungy look um, and this beautiful I mean it was just this beautiful picturesque it's a beautiful scene I, I'm sorry I, I'm at I a loss for words because I'm just I'm seeing this The way that they used the lights to basically sculpt out um, this scene. And then, of course, the shadows from the buildings is the other cool thing in that scene. They didn't have to bring in set pieces to show this court existed between buildings, they used shadows. I was more thinking during the Rumble, there was that tunnel. Remember? Uh That's how they got... Because they had two spots. There was a fence, and there was this tunnel in between the fence. So they all came in behind the fence, and they all went through the tunnel. They crawled over the fence. They had the rumble, and then anybody's came in and grabbed Tony, and they climbed the fence back over, and they left.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: They put the fence gobo on the stage to show there was more fence than just that one piece. Mm-hmm. That fence didn't go the length of the stage. It was just that one and we saw it, but because of the lighting, it really felt like there were
0: fences everywhere. and, and you they felt were
1: somewhere crap and it felt like almost a cage. and we were watching this fight in a cage, you know, and it created a whole nother level to all of this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, oh, it was so good.
0: Well, another thing I love about this show is their use of color. Not just color in the lights, but especially color in the costumes. I was about to say, I know where you're going with the costume.
1: There, the palette is perfect. The jets are in these blues and browns, and yeah, blues and browns because the adults are in grays. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the the sharks and the, and the there are girls in that in these reds and violets and
0: purples. Yeah,
1: and these gorgeous colors that really pop and counteract it. And, I, you know, I got to be honest. What I love is, you know, the Sharks are supposed to be the poorer side. They look wealthier than the, the Jets.
0: Yeah. Well, and they actually, um, well, and I think it also goes to speak about, um, you know, the way that they were raised. And the way that, like, Puerto Ricans present themselves is, you know, when I am presenting myself, I am presenting myself as a polished person yes you know whereas like the jets are like eh i got no money so i'm just gonna dress like i have no money you know kind of thing
1: there's two characters i'm thinking of and i I hope i'm remembering this right that stand out on those color palettes when tony goes to the dance i think he's in a red shirt and when maria goes to the dance she's in a white dress with a blue sash think so. I know for sure the white dress with the blue sash. Because I remember when they I I remember Was it a
0: blue sash or was it like the blue ribbing on the skirt?
1: It's the blue ribbing on the skirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the picture pulled up here. Yeah. And he's got, um, I think he's got a red shirt underneath that blue coat. I think. But the reason why that's significant is obviously they're wearing, that's Bernardo. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, they're wearing uh tony and maria are wearing the other side's colors
0: uh-huh
1: and i again you know of course maria looks very virginal and innocent and not white but the fact that you know it's these little details that you're like wow you know yeah um i i I love the ruffled dresses for the shark girls, the sharkettes if you will. I love sharkettes. I love seeing them in America. I love America, you know. Da, 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 da. Um I loved um the suits the men wore. They I I wonder if they were silk shirts because they felt like silk.
0: They felt like silk. You mean they looked Or like they looked silk. like silk?
1: <laughs> listen. Listen. Um Yeah, it was just It was so gorgeous. I thought that the costuming was done really, really well.
0: I completely agree. It just felt very real, and the color helped tell the story, and...
1: They didn't have to stretch too far. They didn't try to reinvent the wheel, which was the best part. Yeah. Um, Going along with costumes, uh, before I kind of get to the... the... Well, yeah, before we get to... They, they don't
0: you? know what order we're going in. So no, I know, but
1: you—you you asked me a question. Okay. Why do I love this show? There are three reasons I love this show, and um, the first is obviously the story. But with the story goes to the next part I want to talk about, which is the direction. the st- The direction of the show is perfect. The stage is always balanced. It's your focus is always where it needs to be. And there's never too much going on. Like you're not missing something. So if you're watching the two people downstage, you don't need to be worrying about what the people upstage are doing. It's not like what they're doing upstage is important for the story. Everyone's there for a purpose. If you're not serving a purpose, you're not meant to be there. Everything is balanced. Everything works. It's functional. Okay. Um, the show itself feels alive. It feels like it's breathing. Like I mentioned, it has these perfect highs and lows. Um, the buildups feel real and they feel n- um, natural and the emotion feels genuine. Okay. It doesn't feel melodramatic. Okay. Everything feels like it leads from one to the other to the other. I never feel like Tony is reaching to overreact. You know, there are some times when people see the you know, the Maria. It's a little like, oh man, like who is really going to yell that? No, the way that the direction is done on this show this is a masterclass in subtext there's a reason why he's screaming out her name as opposed to rifts after the rumble. It's like, that's your brother, essentially, that got killed so why are you calling out Maria's name? Well, you know why, and it's a natural build-up. Everything just naturally leads from one to the other. It is a Storybook thing of um, human emotion and human reaction, um, and then the fact that they added the Spanish in in this revival, the "I feel pretty" and everything.
0: Well, and more than just the "I feel pretty," they what they did with a, a boy like that. Yes, it was almost like Spanglish, which definitely you know. I don't know if you've ever met someone who speaks both English and Spanish. I mean, I know you have, but someone. Any of our listeners. Um, You know, especially when you come from those two different worlds, or especially if you meet someone who has to, like, translate for their parents. Mm -hmm. When they start getting emotional, especially as Anita Mm -hmm. is, they switch back and forth between the two, and that's kind of where that Spanglish came from.
1: Exactly, and that's why it feels very natural and very real. It doesn't feel acted. I didn't feel like I was at the theater. I genuinely felt like this was real life.
0: And the parts that they did make Spanish, they... I mean they felt natural and I mean even you did, if you don't speak Spanish, you knew exactly what well, they were saying. And it saying. wasn't
1: like we're speaking Spanish in front of the Jets. This is like they're in the bridal shop and everything and you were like, I could totally that that felt real. They probably would speak Spanish like that. Why would they speak English if they all speak Spanish? And no, they would totally just speak their native tongue or whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The show felt natural and that's coming from the direction, and it was the original director who took the helm to do the revival. And it he, wasn't
0: the direct, original director. It was the original book writer.
1: Arthur Lorenz?
0: Yeah, Jerome Robbins was the original I'm sorry, director.
1: yeah, yeah. One of the original... Um, Conceptors. Yeah. Um, so I would put that as number three reason why I love it. I'm going to go to number two reason why I love it. It's my favorite show. The choreography. When you think of Broadway choreography, okay, and we've mentioned this before when we've done... Other shows like A Chorus Line and that. But West Side Story is definitely one of the most iconic choreographies ever.
0: Yes. Like, you can't think of Broadway musicals without thinking of that image of the Jets doing that snap the jump snap, I mean, all at the same time.
1: The, the snap is as iconic as the kick line, as iconic as the Fosse. As iconic know. as
0: Rent in the, in the spotlights.
1: Yeah, I mean if someone starts snapping, we immediately go, that's West Side Story. Something's about to go down. Like, that's fighting. We had these gangs fighting and, you know, everyone, again, when you're younger, you kind of laugh at it. Um, But instead of having literal violence, they were using ballet choreography to fight and it's gorgeous and it's raw and it's real and
0: it's artistic
1: <laughs> what i love is you know there's a there's this thing that you're taught when you're studying musical theater and the question you're asked when you first start is you know why in the musical theater do we sing and the answer is because we have no other way of expressing it. there's something happening we have no other way of expressing it. so we go to the next thing and it's music the same thing can be applied uh to dance why do we dance? Because we have no other way of expressing something we feel. Um, so this choreography is historic and it's legendary. Well, and
0: the choreography is treated. Yes, it's treated like a ballet, but it's like it's it. This show is to you know um, to a musical theater like like a Phantom of the Opera or no, not even Phantom of the Opera. Like Rent is an opera. Even though it's rock, you know, this is that, but dancing. Yes. And
1: the choreography of the show is at the same level and importance as the music, the lyrics, the book. You can't get rid of this choreography and still have West Side Story, which we'll talk about later. It's expressive and it's emotive. In fact, you've got a picture, and I love this picture you've got pulled up because it's, uh, I remember discussing this image and, and this choreography with several teachers in school. Well, and gl- seeing
0: it talked about in Broadway, the American Musical. Yeah, Physical. there's a
1: great scene where uh, it's in the prologue um, and they are dancing and they basically, they kick one leg and they lift up on the other and they have their hand, their left hand out, in a straight line, horizontal line, the right hand is reaching up. Okay. So they've made like a right angle. And basically what it appears that they're trying to do is they're trying to lift up, to reach out, to escape. If you will, their whole upper body is like yearning to reach out and escape, but they're still connected to this world that they're in.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause they, it's, it's the same story that you always hear about people who live in, 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 the neighborhood, in the rough neighborhood, it's no matter how hard you try to elevate yourself, to do better, to be better, you're always held because of your connection to your neighborhood.
1: And I understand some people might go, well, no, that's not exactly what it means. Yes, no, it is because this move could easily have been turned into a leap, but it's not. It is a. It's on relevate. They lift their their leg, their toe. It's still attached to the stage. The same thing similarly happens when they're doing America. When the sharkettes, if you are doing America, um, they do this beautiful extension with their leg, but their foot is still on the ground. And they lift their their hands up into the air, and the other arm comes back down. They're they're grounded. They're connected. They can't escape. Um, you know, and it's. That is the brilliance of Jerome Robbins. What he was, you know, again, it's like what that, I can't think of her name right now, what she was saying about um, who uh, uh, Michael Bennett. You know, the audience saw one thing, but what he intended was another. Jerome Robbins was... Giving you this beautiful choreography, but he was saying something else with it.
0: Well, because he wouldn't put the choreography in just because it's pretty. There was a thought and a reason behind everything, and that's something you get, especially when your director is also your choreographer.
1: Well, and this, when you had the symphonic sound of Leonard Bernstein and the brilliant, brilliant lyrics of Stephen Sondheim and this great choreography of Joan Robbins, they all just complement each other so. Freaking wow. Right, well,
0: because the music is witty, the lyrics are even wittier, and then the, the dancing complements the wit of the music and the lyrics. The
1: music makes you want to move. That's, th- that's the other thing I love is you don't have to reach far to want to dance. Um, there's a great video, and I encourage you all to look it up. The um, L.A. Symphony does, um, they perform mambo. And the entire audience gets on their feet and they they're singing and they're dancing with the, the London, not the London, the LA symphony, you know, they dun, 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 dun. And the whole symphony goes mambo and the audience gets into it, you know? And at one point, even the, the orchestra, they're dancing, they're doing the wave, the trumpets are spinning their trumpets. And I'm like, I don't know that this was all choreographed in the, the symphony Bernstein's music. Just makes you want to move. Right, and well, Robbins and I... harnessed that in the show and went, I, I you have to move in this song. But at the same time, there were other songs where it's like, we just need stillness.
0: Yes, and it was that perfect blend of the two. One of the other sounds that keeps coming to my mind as we discuss things.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Hold off on sounds, because we're gonna get there. This is just choreography right now. I know we're oh, okay, gonna Okay, sorry, go. I thought we were still no, no. on music. But yeah, so we talked about the fighting. Um the the meltdown, the last thing I want to say is about the meltdown via the dancing cool. Like I said, why we sing in musical theater, because there's no words that can express how we feel. This, if you take this song out of context, is like the most beatnik kind of thing in the world. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's very hot Whoopie, you know? Like, what that? Yeah, we're just <laughs> saying random words, and some guy's laughing, and, you know, there's this weird... Bow, wow, Easy action. do 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 you know? <laughs> but you watch this live, and you watch these guys...
0: You can see that tension rising. Well, what and it dropping. is is...
1: Not to sound stereotypical or racist, Latin people... Have always been more in tune with their emotions, you know, because
0: they can they express it through yes, and they just they're that's, they're more
1: they, they they're more they, expressive. Yes, these young people on the jet side don't, and they don't know they've the the stuff that they have witnessed, not just that night of the rumble, but their entire life. You know, because memory serves me right. We've already done Officer Krupke, so we've heard about these horrible lives that they've had growing up. They've never had an outlet for these emotions. This song is them letting everything out. You know, and they also do the "I want to escape" move. Ba 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 You know, and they're they're just exploding. Bursting. They're yeah. bursting
0: to get out of whatever it is they're in that they don't even realize.
1: And but the whole time you're being told, keep it cool, boy.
0: It's enforcing Wee- that stereotype that you need to let your anger build. And the only correct way to take it out is keep through it- your macho well, show of power. Uh,
1: to quote another show, turn it off. Yeah. Tur- you know, cover it up. It's dealing with things two different ways. But it's, it's brilliant the way that the, the choreography. Rather, th- There's very few words in that song. Very few words. It's all about the dance. So that's my number two reason. So, so far we've got the direction slash story. Number three. Number two is the choreography. The number one reason I love this show. Mr. Bernstein, come and take a bow. This music is everything. I have said this before. If I were to have a husband, it'd be George Gershwin, but Leonard Bernstein would be my pool boy. The moment I heard this music in the eighth grade, that's the first time I, I heard like truly heard this music. We watched the West Side Story after reading Romeo and Juliet. I remember just something like it, it infected me. I remember when we watched West Side Story. I thought it was a, I was, like, took it as a joke. I was like, whatever, it's West Side Story. I've seen this spoofed and all these like, in Seinfeld and things like that. like, no, this can't be good. And I remembered like getting just enraptured in it, and this music just got in my veins, and I was like, I need more of this. I need more of this. This is incredible. From the minute it starts to the very end, that music is gorgeous. And it's haunting. It is truly symphonic and um, cinematic. There is so much foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. So much foreshadowing and narratives going on throughout the entire show. Um, you know, something bad is about to happen when you hear, but it's not a. Everyone always hears it and they go, oh, and I'm like, that's not a good tone.
0: No, and especially, like, it's always surprised me about, um, uh, oh gosh, what's the name of the song Tony Sings?
1: Tonight or Somewhere?
0: Somewhere.
1: Well, they both sing it. There's a place No, not that
0: song. Something's coming, something good. Yes. That song. So every time, like, it sounds like it's supposed to be optimistic, but it has... That level underneath it just makes you feel uncomfortable
1: but uh, it's the syncopation it's rushed it, you're hurrying it's like i oh, I'm getting hustled to something and I don't know what it is and okay and that's what I mean by if riff hadn't forced Tony's hand, nothing would have happened, but he forced it quickly hmm you know, um but it this music and the way the quintet um uh, right before the end of act one happens, the overlapping arias uh, it's genius well
0: that's before the rumble,
1: yeah, it's right yeah. before the end of act one it it's genius uh, it's gorgeous um my favorite song in this show, which is the darkest one, is "Somewhere There's a Place for Us," and like I said, everyone characterizes it as this sweet and loving song. And Bernstein, Bernstein, excuse me, wrote it so m- musically dark that even that first, bum bum, I think it's a minor seventh, if I remember right. It's written to be dark most of the time, but it has releases that make you go, oh, but it sounds so sweet. No. There's a reason why people and things like the Tony Awards use it for like in memoriams. It's not an optimistic song. It's a memorial of sorts. It's a a hope song. In reality, you know it's not real. There's a place for us somewhere, somehow, now, but not now, um and i'm gonna do this without crying the final scene it's dead silent the whole show there's an essence of noise until the very end when tony comes out and goes chino chino come and get me chino and then you can hear a pin drop and then he fires and he gets him and everyone comes out the whole
0: last bit just takes place in utter silence
1: and then you know how many bullets left enough for you for you you know and she starts crying and then you hear that horn come in and it just holds it there for a minute No, no 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 they just hold it and then you see everyone kind of come together Boom, 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 boom. That's when they start grabbing. Yep, that's when they start grabbing Tony together, the two sides. And then when they exit, you just get that. Ba-dum, boom, ba-dum, boom. And I mean, oh my God. Could there be. Any more beautiful of an ending to a show, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, no, there can't be.
1: It 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 just sticks into you. Um, this music is just, and then the curtain calls. One of my another great song, which is uh, (laughs) fantastically called Jump. Not a lot of people know about it. Ba-dum-bum, 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 ba-dum-bum. Check out the track. It's called Jump. It's their curtain call music. It's really great. It's very Bernstein esque. Um
0: It is Bernstein. There's no I, well, reason no, for no, it to no, be no. an S because he wrote it.
1: But it, it if you didn't know it was from West
0: Side Store, you
1: didn't you'd hear it and you'd go, it's Bernstein. But this show's oh, the music is just I can't say enough about it. I just can't. It's it's genius it never gets old it's absolutely gorgeous so yeah the music the choreography the direction that is why this is my favorite show um yeah the show has had several notable performers including karen olivo and Cheetah Rivera, who originated the role of Anita. And fun fact, for those of you who did not tune into the Tony Awards, she and Andrew Lloyd Webber presented the award for Best Musical at the Tony Awards this year, which were held at the Winter Garden Theater on September 26th. Well, she made note of this that it was 64 years ago to the day, on that very stage, that she debuted in the role of Anita in the original production of West Side Story. So, you know, it's pretty cool. I think the theater gods are kind of like, all right, everybody get back together. Let's move on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so worth mentioning is the 2020 Broadway revival directed by Ivan Ben-Ho. They trimmed the show to one hour and 45 minutes and they cut the, like and one of the things they did to make that happen was cut the song. I feel pretty. The idea was to snuff out any lightness that might temper the full blown tragedy to come. Um... You know, and they replaced the, ball- the ballet finger snapping with uh, hip-hop and Latin-influenced dancing. Um, and the cast had, like, iPhones during the performance.
1: Hove also cast a few African-Americans as jets. That was seen by some to dangerously shift our focus away from the enduring problem of white supremacist violence. It ran for 24 performances, closing due to COVID-19. I want to stop here real quick and talk about this production just for a minute. I have thoughts. On the show, we have not lent negative feedback about shows yet, but I, I want to speak my mind on this one. This West Side Story has this very special place in my heart. It's a very important show to me, um, and I've never been in it. I've never had my hand in producing it, but it holds a special place in my heart. It's like a baby, you know. Though I applaud the creativity of it, I almost consider this the bastardization of it. The choreography is, like I said, like the music, the lyrics, the book, it's just as important to completely cast that aside. That's my first red flag to... Disregard subject matter and ignore casting regarding race. That's also... Well, because the show
0: is about differences.
1: You can't take African-Americans and white people and put them on opposite ends and not raise the stakes, if you will. But they
0: weren't even on opposite ends. They were in the same gang against the Puerto Ricans.
1: Oh, see, I didn't read it that way. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I did. My bad. Yeah, see, that's a problem. Um this show takes place at a certain period of time, you to get rid of stuff, it that's a fail to me. Well, the, especially
0: if you know the history about like the area yes. in which this took place.
1: Um the other thing is and and worth noting, there was a cast member in the show who was with the New York City ballet who took pictures of dancers while they were nude and then posted them without those dancers knowing it was a big to do there were protests outside the theater that person should never have been cast never and 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 when it came to light what they did should have been fired on the spot that that um conduct is just not okay in in any profession especially ours in such a vulnerable place as the performing arts, it's not okay. This recent production was just shroud in negative after negative. The reviews were awful for it. Um, one review said um, this show will close by June guaranteed. It broke my heart because I was excited to see a revival and a rethinking of it, but I'm also kind of glad that we didn't get to see it because I was like, great. I don't want to, now that I know more about it, I was just like, leave it alone don't mess with the classic you don't need to reinvent the wheel
0: well and there's a time and a place to reimagine something but like we've talked about many times with this show particularly you need that light and that dark in this show to make it authentic
1: absolutely and And so if
0: you take out all the light and all you're left with is this dark story that you can't connect with any of the characters which defeats the point of the music
1: exactly you need balance and speaking of balance, now that we've done that, I want to also worth I want to mention that Steven Spielberg is doing a remake of the uh, film version uh, of the show, and it's set to be released in December, and that looks fantastic. And the other thing that gives me hope about this is Cheetah Rivera is assisting with that.
0: Okay, and didn't Steven Sondheim also have a uh-huh. aide in it too?
1: Yeah. So I. To, and everything I've seen about that film version, that looks like Steven Spielberg's just like, I just want to, like, make a second copy to make sure that for all history and time, we <laughs> like West Side Story is stuff. Because everything I've seen, if you, if you look at the trailer for the film and you look at the trailer for the 2009 musical, they're very similar. Steven Spielberg has been doing his homework and knows what an American treasure this is. You well, don't and, screw with the classics.
0: And I think the most important thing about this show is, like uh, Arthur Lorentz said... You know, there's a way to reimagine this show to make the characters more authentic. And I really think that that is the only way you can make this show better is to make the characters authentic, which I am excited to see a filmed version where the Puerto Ricans can be authentically Puerto Rican. You don't have to see this Not a
1: stereotype. Not
0: a stereotype. Not a Ricky
1: Ricardo, yes. Like
0: whitewashed version of what it means to be a Puerto Rican. Absolutely. Which is pretty freaking awesome.
1: I can't wait. I'm excited.
0: Let's talk about the impact this show has had on theater and its history.
1: All right. Theatrical impact. It's a landmark show. It is. It is a cornerstone show. It it, is. Like, okay. We've said that enough. I want to say another huge thing is it brought two very important characters on the scene together.
0: So they were friends before it started, but this solidified their working yes, relationship. Yes,
1: Stephen Sondheim and Hal Prince. So that's why, theatrically, I, I, I put this down, because this is the first show these two worked on together. Mm-hmm. And, of course, anyone who knows anything about the theater knows that this is the start of something great. This is coming. like a
0: whole other theater universe.
1: As far as musical theater goes, this show had the first rape. Was done on stage. As disturbing as that is, I mean, Anita's raped on stage. Now, it's not as graphic as what we know rape today, but it happens. Um, that was a very delicate subject matter, and they got a lot of flack for, for doing that, you know, but I think that that was the right stake to do. I mean, what else could you do? Uh, Arthur Lorenz and Jerome Robbins understood that. Uh, for lack of a better term, you couldn't be kitchen table. You had to do something so appalling, so shocking to make that moment be real, to make that moment...
0: Otherwise, you don't have a catalyst for what happens after.
1: Exactly. Like,
0: one thing I've always noticed in reta- like early retellings of Romeo and Juliet, the way that the the nurse gets... I don't know. Uh, the only word I can think of is fiddled with. Doesn't seem like you know it would be enough to upset her to change the way that the the, the information got delivered.
1: Exactly. It something has to happen to make you want to betray exactly the person closest to you.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then um, it was one of the first shows to portray minorities not as super hilarious stereotypes. You know, up until then, I, I, think about this. The show came out in the fifties. Up until then, Blackface, you know, the minstrel shows, we were uh, really... Um, so the
0: Civil Rights Movement hadn't even started? Oh, well, okay, the a beginnings little bit, did, yeah. but you know, like, but, I mean, you, what we know it to We be.
1: were exacerbating, like, with Irish, Irish and Jews and Italians. We were really, like, you weren't letting people just play who they wanted to play. It was like, oh, you're Jewish, so you have to be really funny. You couldn't be dramatic and Jewish. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. Um, societal impact it brought awareness to impoverished neighborhoods and I'm glad I put this in because I want to talk about this. This is a fun fact from another podcast called The Bowery Boys.
0: Shout out to The Bowery Boys. Yes. If you're not listening to them you should listen to them. That's a
1: great podcast. So the show is set um, on the west side. It's in a neighborhood that actually doesn't exist anymore called San Juan Hill. If you watch the film... The film actually was filmed in the neighborhood of San Juan Hill, And as you watch the opening number, you'll see that, like a lot of the buildings are, are kind of like in rubble and whatnot. Well, that's because they were tearing down buildings to make way for the new neighborhood that now exists there, are the new building projects, which are, is Lincoln Center. San Juan Hill used to be where Lincoln Center is. So West Side Story takes place basically between 60th and 72nd Street.
0: Which is funny because like, you know, we talk about how it's about Harlem, and most people would not even consider that area anywhere near Harlem.
1: Right. Exactly. But
0: back in the day, back during this time, you know, Harlem was basically anything above Columbus.
1: Right, right. So, you know, that's... It brought brought awareness about impoverished neighborhoods and the fact that, that this exists. Which I roll my eyes out a little bit because I'm like, really? We all didn't know that poverty exists in impoverished neighborhoods and, and gangs and that, really? We, we turned our noses up to that, but... Mm.
0: Okay, well, let's just say, you know, these, the people who this show is about were not the people who were going to the theater.
1: That's fair. Uh, it created a show accessible by a wide range of audiences. And what I mean by that is, isn't it great to see people not just white on stage? You know? suddenly people of Latin descendancy or whatnot would love to go see the show and see themselves or whatnot. Um, Which also leads me to the next thing, which is it created a show that was accessible to a range of actors of different races, you know? um, I'm thinking back to the golden era of musical theater and whatnot, and I'm sorry, in Oklahoma, I don't remember there being, you know, Judd and Juan kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of the early musical theater... You don't have a lot of characters of color. Mm -hmm. You know, West Side Story kind of started ushering in where we could have more diverse casting, um, which there still needs to be more shows with that. But, you know, any other thoughts that you have on that?
0: No, I think that you said that brilliantly.
1: So is this show still relevant? Always. Yeah. There will always be a place for West Side Story on the Great White Way.
0: And I think that's because of its storytelling. And I mean, it's like the same reason why we're always constantly reinventing Romeo and Juliet. It's the story of star-crossed lovers. It's a tale of love and tragedy. It's a tale of yin and yang. It's a tale of opposites.
1: Yep. It's a relatable and human story. It's a tragedy, but one we all relate to. So it's one that we'll continue to flock to and experience. It's timeless and classic for a reason, you know.
0: promised we wanted to share some of our own personal stories about experiencing the show. So, we've seen this show twice. In 2008 and 2009.
1: I mean, I uh, there's really not much else to tell. I feel like we've told most of it. Mm-hmm. I was so excited to finally get to see one of my favorite shows.
0: And I was really excited to see something at the palace because I had, uh, at the time, I had studied a ton about vaudeville and being able to see the historic palace theater it was really exciting. And then I got really excited about the show. Yeah. It, like, I was first really excited to see the theater, and then the show just made me forget about everything I wanted to see about the theater. And
1: it's a gorgeous theater, it is. Meeting the cast afterwards was amazing. Everybody was so nice. So freaking nice. And do you remember the incredibly friendly stage tour manager?
0: That's who Lizmar reminded me of. <laughs>
1: yes, we had a tour guide in Puerto Rico who was so nice and knowledgeable and eccentric in the best way possible. And
0: like, it's okay, I'm your mom now.
1: Yeah, and you know, that's kind of exactly person. how the stage door manager was. And she always had markers. She would just pull markers out of everywhere.
0: Well, and she had a bag full of markers, and she would count them and make sure that they came back. And if someone, like, went to leave with it, I saw one actor come back after they had already walked away a block. It's like it was like she had
1: their driver's license, and she wouldn't give it back to them <laughs> until the marker came back.
0: But she ran that thing like a well-oiled
1: machine. Mm-hmm. She, It was brilliant. I mean... How awesome do you have to be for us to remember the stage door manager? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's there's a handful of them out there that I'm like, oh yeah, Alex, Alex from the Schubert Organization. I remember that guy. Yes. <laughs>
0: you
1: know. um, and the last thing I'll say is, I just remember the overall experience. That show just filling up the incredible space of the Palace. That beautiful music. I would give my left arm to hear that beautiful score played in that theater again. It's just, oh, I it. It's one of those, I can't remember the word, but you know when you, a visceral memory, I guess, or whatever. Like, when I hear that music, I'm immediately transported back. I can see everything. I can smell everything. I'm right there. I can, oh, I'm just transported back. It's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to get back to New York. As things begin to return to normal and the theater world starts to turn its lights back on, we look forward to returning to see the show again.
0: Hopefully, you'll be able to catch Wet Side Story at a theater near you sometime this fall.
1: We'd also like to give a quick update on the reopening of Broadway.
0: Now playing at the Lyceum Theater, we we welcome to Broadway, Dana H.,
1: After becoming the first marquee to go up since the shutdown of Broadway, we are happy to see the curtain rise on Thoughts of a Colored Man at the Golden Theater. Special shout out to cast member Esau Pritchett. So happy for you and we cannot wait to see you in this.
0: All rise as To Kill a Mockingbird makes its long-awaited return to the Schubert Theater.
1: Fresh off receiving a special Tony Award, the incredible talents of Freestyle Love Supreme open at the Booth Theater. We are so excited, so excited that Broadway is turning its lights back on and can't wait to share in the magic of The Great White Way.
0: We'll be sharing special episodes when we return to New York City in just a couple of weeks.
1: So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez.
0: And I'm Hope Bird.
1: Reminding you to turn off your cell phones.
0: Unwrap your candies.
1: And keep talking about the theater. In a stage way. Thank you. Two friends from New York in a land.
0: If you like what you hear, please, please, please leave a five star review, like and subscribe.
1: You can also find us on Facebook and instagram and twitter at stage whisper pod
0: and feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stage whisper pod at gmail.com
1: our theme song is fox by music for wildlife other music on this episode provided by quantum jazz the good louds u.s army blues milton arias and billy murray